Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, just a few things before we start. I hope you uh, have a pen because, as you notice, I did not prepare purposely an outline. Uh, I want you to write a number of things, um, including the title. That's why the sheet that you have only has the first two words of the title, the law, okay? And so we like to start with the first slide here, and that's the law. That's a major topic uh, in the book of Exodus and actually for the rest of the Bible. And, um, you know, when you think about the law, uh, what comes to mind? Maybe commandments, maybe things to do, uh, behavior, regulations. Um, and that happened uh, in Old Testament times and also in the New Testament. After man fell, there is this natural, seemingly good, but natural concept that to please God, man must do something for him or must work something for God. So in the next slide, you see in the Old Testament, we have this verse. Uh, this is in Exodus 24. And he took the book that is Moses of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, look at what, what they said. All that Jehovah has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. It sounds very good. But actually, it shows a number of things. It shows that the people of Israel, they did not know God, they did not know themselves, and they did not know God's way. God was not pleased with these answers. And if you read the book of Exodus, <clears throat> you will see that even the atmosphere, the tone that God was, you know, speaking with his people changed. Okay, so that's in the Old Testament. The same thing happens in the New Testament. And the next slide is going to show us a verse in John chapter 6. Uh, these are the Jews. And here in John chapter 6 uh, is that marvelous section where the Lord Jesus is presenting himself to the people as the bread of life, okay? So he is, first of all, the uh, peace-giving Christ, the uh, feeding Christ, and this is something that the Jews said to the Lord. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? To them, in order to please God or to... Uh, you know, attain to him or his purpose was a matter of working for God. This is man's uh, uh, natural concept, okay? They did not understand God. And tonight, I hope the Lord will have a way to come and even uh, change 
our concept because we also have inherited in one way or another the same concept that to approach God, to please God, we have to do something for him or that we have to work for him, okay? So the law here is an engagement covenant. You need to write that on your paper. There is a section for you to take notes. You need to write the title. The law is an engagement covenant. The engagement covenant. Okay? In most of this presentation, actually, I'm going to minimize my speaking, my own speaking, any comments that I can make, and I'm going to let your God, your lover, to speak to you by means of his worth. I was before the Lord as I was preparing this, and the Lord really touched me. You just have to uh, let me speak. Let my word speak to the students tonight. So I'm here just as a voice. And what you're going to see here is God's speaking to you, okay? So we're going to have, uh, we're going to have God speaking to you, and he who has an ear, let him hear, okay? So I hope the Lord grant us all hears, ears to hear, okay? So this is an engagement covenant between whom? We have to ask, you know, the engagement involves two parties. So the next slide shows us who is in this engagement covenant. It's something between God and his people. That is the subject for tonight. And I hope this even changes the way you see the scriptures. And when you go through the scriptures, you have a new viewpoint, and you know what is God's intention, okay? Next, we have a question. I'm gonna have four questions for you tonight, okay? Question one is, what is the subject of the entire Bible and the secret of the universe? I don't know how many times you have read the Bible, but have you ever considered if there is a theme that runs throughout the Bible from the beginning to the end, and what that theme will be? If we are able to see this, then we can answer this question easily. Would you like to know what is the subject of the entire Bible? And what is the secret? of the universe, okay? So for that, we're going to let God uh, lead us throughout the Bible and speaking to us as he does it concerning this matter of the divine Romans, okay? So here we're going to have a number of verses in sequential order from Genesis to Revelation, 
I encourage you to write down the references. It's amazing. You know, when you read the scriptures, you're going to notice something. They are loaded with bridal language. Okay? So, how about we go to the, ne to the next? So, we have here Genesis to Revelation. And the first thing we're going to see in Genesis chapter 2 is this verse. In chapter 2, verse 24, we have... Do we need to... The lights will help to turn the, off the lights? Or are you okay? Tim, how, how do you see from there? Are you, are you, can you see? Really? Okay. Okay, so here we have Genesis chapter 2. And it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is the beginning of human history. You have to think about it for a moment. God began human history with a wedding. Okay? Then... Uh, we can go ahead with the next. Okay, so we have Isaiah, the prophet, and we have one verse there, which is a very precious, marvelous verse in chapter 54. How about you all read that together? Go. He created man in Genesis chapter 1 in his own image and likeness. Let us make man in our image and likeness. Isaiah 54, your maker, the one who said, let us make man, he says, I'm your husband. I created you for me. If I'm a husband, I need a wife. And that's why I created you. Right? And then we have another verse in Isaiah. And that is 62, verse 5. And with the joy of the bridegroom over the bride, your God will rejoice over you. You see, the scriptures are filled with bridal language. Okay? Then we move on to Jeremiah. Okay. And what verse we have there? We have chapter 3, verse 14, and it says, how about you all read it? Go ahead. Again, you see, I'm a husband. You know, they departed from him, right? Uh, they got themselves into a terrible condition, but then he's calling them, return, for I am a husband to you. Keep going. Now we go to Hosea. Okay, how about all the guys? You read these verses. In Hosea chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Go. I will betroth you. Okay, what is to betroth? Who knows? What is betrothing? Who can tell us? Yes, yeah, it's a promise to marry somebody. I will betroth you to myself forever. Okay, keep going, brother. 
Now we move to the New Testament, and we come to the Gospel of John. You know, with John, the most famous verse, even the first verse I memorized when I first became a Christian, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. But have you noticed how that chapter ends? Or let me put it this way. Do you know why you were regenerated? What for? What's the purpose of your regeneration? Why did God send his only begotten son to die for you and then in resurrection impart his very life into you? Why? Just for one day to go to heaven? Just to be, escape from uh, the lake of fire? What is his purpose in regenerating you? You know what is his purpose? He says in verse 29, He who has the bride, and this is John the Baptist speaking, is, is not me. He's telling his disciples, John, is not me. Okay? You have to follow him. Because he who has the bride is the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom. I'm not. So he regenerated you and me so that we may be part of the bride. Because he is the bridegroom. Have you ever seen this? John chapter 3. Yes, 16 is wonderful, but there is a reason, there is a purpose for that, and that is that we may become, as regenerated people, parts of the bride of Christ. Okay? Then we move on to the epistles. We selected uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and that verse says, how about we all read it together? Go. Husbands, love your wives. That's the connection. Husbands and wives. Even as Christ, he's the husband. Right? Love the church, his wife. Okay? So then we continue and we move on to the book of Revelation. This is just before the millennial kingdom. Right? We are approaching the end of the ages. And right before the millennial kingdom, there is, uh, there is this proclamation. There is this jubilee. And how about we all stand up and read that verse together? How about we stand up and read it together? <laughs> let us rejoice and exalt and let us give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. You can see it. His wife. Think about it. God began human history with a wedding. And now John, in the book of Revelation, he's introducing us to another wedding. So human history begins with a wedding and it ends with a wedding. This is not coincidence at all. We have to believe God purposely designed the Bible like this. Very intentional. To display his passionate love for man. Okay? So then in Revelation, after the millennial kingdom, then we come to the point of getting into eternity future. And here are two verses. How about the boys you read verse 2? Go ahead. 
Here's, the, here's another. Here is the wedding and the, and, the, and the wife. Okay, and verse 9, maybe the girls can read it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have you ever considered? That's how the Bible ends. Your Bible is essentially a love story. That's what your Bible is. A love story. Okay? So therefore, I hope you are convinced that God has spoken to you to show you that the whole Bible is essentially a divine romance. And now you have all these wonderful verses. Of course, for the sake of time and space, I did not include every verse. There are more verses. You may have other verses who are favorite of yours. But with these verses, it's enough to prove that there is a divine romance in this universe. Okay? Now, there are some quotes that I will show you in the next slides, in the next three slides, of people who have also seen this in the past. And I would like to begin with the most famous American theologian from the 1700s, Jonathan Edwards. And this is what he said, Jonathan Edwards. How about we all read it together? God created the world to provide a spouse and a kingdom for his son and the setting up of the kingdom of Christ and the spiritual marriage of the spouse to him is what the whole creation, sorry, let's go back one, is what the whole creation labors and travails in pain to bring to pass. That's Jonathan Edwards. Could you believe? 1700s. And then the next one, we can go. This is in the 1900s with uh, Paul Wilhelmer. Let's go. The one purpose of the universe from all eternity is the production and preparation of an eternal companion for the son, called the bride, the lamb's wife. Amazing, right? And finally, another from Paul Wilhelmer. Go ahead. An ultimate outcome and goal of events from eternity to eternity. The finished product of all the ages is the spotless bride of Christ. Creation has no other aim. History has no other goal. Okay? So now, with all this, we can surely answer our first question, which was, what is the subject of the entire Bible and the secret of the universe? Now we have the answer. The subject of the entire Bible and the secret of the entire universe are the divine romance between God and his chosen and redeemed people. That's it. That's the answer. Okay? Now we have another question. Question number two. Remember, we have four questions in this presentation. Question two. How about we read it together? Go. It's a very good question. The title is that the law is an engagement covenant between God and his chosen people. But how do we know? How do we know? Well, the next slide is going to help us. Okay? Because the Bible tells me so. 
How do we know that the law is an engagement covenant? Because the Bible tells me so. God tells me so. Okay? First, we need to see, first, we need to see that the law is a covenant. Even that we need to see. That the law is a covenant. Okay. Here it says, And Jehovah said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the speaking of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And he wrote upon the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 34, 27, and 28 are a proof that the law is a covenant. Now you know. Now you have what the Bible says. Okay? Well, <clears throat> um, how about we go to the next slide? Then we need to see that this covenant is an engagement. That's the title, right? Well, we already proved that the law is a covenant. But now we need to see that this is an engagement covenant. So we need to let God, through his word, convince us. And here we have two verses. First one is in Jeremiah 31, 32. How about the girls? You go ahead and read it. Okay, ready? Go. Both in this verse and in the next verse from Ezekiel, that covenant, the old covenant, is referring back to the law, the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20. Okay? And through that covenant, which was an, which was an engagement covenant, God became their husband. Okay? The next verse, we're going to see Ezekiel 16.8. How about all the guys? Go ahead and read it. Go. Oh, and you became mine. I entered into a covenant with you. And that covenant, remember, Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. You became mine. In the previous verse, I was a husband to you. Here, you became mine. You see again how the, the scriptures are loaded with bridal language? God is a lover. He's a relentless lover. And there, you are here because... He's such a God. He will not let you go. Right? He loves you. He's pursuing you. And that's why you and I are here. Okay, now we move on to question number three. What was God's intention in giving the law to his people? Now that we have proved that the law is an engagement covenant between God and his people, what was his intention in giving the law to his people? I believe at this point it should be very easy to answer this question. Okay, the next slide gives us the answer. How about we read what is on top? Go ahead. God's intention in giving his law to his chosen people was that they became his lovers. They become. That's his intention. Not law keepers. What shall I do? No. 
or all the things that God has spoken, we will do and we'll be obedient. No, no. What he wants is you to become his lover. You to become one with him. You allow him to infuse himself into you and do in and through you what you and I will never be able to do. That's his intention. He wants us to be his lovers. And listen, if you, this is my real burden. I, I'm here not to impress you with verses, with PowerPoint things and colors. I want all of us to renew our love for the Lord, to fall in love with God all over again. That's my real burden. If you just gain more knowledge and, or are impressed with these slides, that means nothing. What God is after is lovers. That's his intention. And Matthew 22, 36, 37 is an is excellent verses. You, ha, you have to realize, in this section of Matthew, the Lord Jesus is being tested. They are asking him questions from different angles. Okay? And here is a group of Pharisees who boasted in their knowledge of the Scriptures, in their conduct. And they saw how the Lord Jesus silenced the others who were asking him questions. So they gather themselves and they pick up one, a lawyer. And then they send that lawyer to ask Jesus, what is, teacher, teacher, tell us what is the first and greatest commandment of all, right? What is the great commandment in the law? Think, think for a moment, he's a Pharisee. When he's asking the question, he's thinking teachings, Rituals, commandments, conduct, improving myself. He's thinking like that. He's not thinking love. But look at the Lord's answer. He said, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the Lord's answer. That's the key point of the law. Love. You shall love. The Lord your God, because he's after lovers. That's his intention. Okay? Then we move on to question number four. That's the last question. What then should be our response to this divine romance? What, is, what should be our response? I have four points. And you have to pick up key words for each of these four responses. Okay? In the next slide, we have response number one. How about the girls? You all read that. Okay. Go ahead. We. We have to love him. That's the key word here. Right? We should not try to keep the law apart from loving him and his worth. And becoming one with him. That is our number one proper response. Okay? We keep the law of God by loving him as our husband spontaneously. You love him, that means you enjoy him, right? He infuses himself into you, he does things in you that spontaneously will keep all his commandments. Okay, 
Response number two. How about the guys? You all read this. Ready? Go. Key word or words, spend time. If you love somebody but never spend time with that somebody, what kind of love is that? What kind of relationship is that? So if we love the Lord, we spend, gladly spend time with Him. And you know what? This is the highest profession on the earth, spending time with our beloved. Okay? Don't think that my major, your major, your career, whatever is the highest profession on this earth. The highest profession on this earth is to spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should do it regularly, daily. Okay? Then response number three. Okay, all together, let's read it. Go. We need. You know, Romans 10, 12 says that the Lord is rich. Rich, just fill the blank, whatever. Whatever you need, He's rich in that. What do you need? You need patience? He's rich in that. You need love? You need mercy? Whatever. He's rich. But He's rich to all who call on His name. We have to tell the Lord Jesus every day, Lord Jesus I love you. Every time you tell him you love him, he infuses his life into you. And he makes you one with him. Right? We should never graduate from telling the Lord, Lord Jesus, I love you. He is a lover. You know, those of us who are married, Kyle, I see Kyle, and I can give you my testimony here. You know, Martha is here. Martha, are you here? Where is Martha? Yeah, Martha is here. My wife is here. You know, I really don't care that much for what Martha can do for me, right? She cooks excellent, as some of you can testify. But when she says, I love you, oh, that really makes me happy, right? The best rice in town will not make me as happy as when she says, I love you, right? So we have to tell the Lord, I love you, Lord Jesus. I can testify almost every morning, that's the first thing I say. Lord Jesus, I love you. And one day, we will meet him face to face. Either he comes or we go to him, and how wonderful to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Right? Okay, response number four. Go ahead. Okay, let's read it together. This is the last one. Go. Because we love God... That's your function, to glow, right? But we have to spend time with him in his word, okay? By doing that, he infuses his glowing substance into us and makes us a glowing people. So we become a testimony of all that he is. 
and even become an attraction to those around us. So here are the four key words. Uh, maybe instead of me saying, uh, I'm going to check with Reese. What are the four key words in the way of a, a proper response to the Lord? Number one, we have to what? Begins with L. Love. Loving him. We have to love him, right? Then number two, what else? Um, we have to spend time. spend time with him. Then number three, Tell him that we love him. Wow. And then number four? Yes, but by means of the word. Very good. Those four things. Okay. Daniela, can you tell us the four things? Can you stand up and tell us? Yes. Very good. Okay. Another brother. Shalom, right there, you, tell us. Shalom, tell us, four things. We need to love him. But go loud, you, you, you can do it louder, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Tell him that, say it. Yes, I love you. Uh -huh. And then we spend time in his living word so that we can glow with him, okay? Very good. So, <clears throat> this is what um, the Lord gave me to you. I hope you enjoy this time. And remember, the main thing is that we all fall in love again with the Lord all over again. So that our love will not grow cold or that we it will even uh, lose our first love. We need to keep loving the Lord, right? That will maintain us in a best, proper relationship with Him. So how about we have somebody to lead us in prayer? Maybe Hudson, can you lead us in prayer? Just to close this part.